Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 18. When I went out to pioneer my first church, uh, something, I, probably I missed it, or maybe they never told me, probably they never told me, that uh, there is an interesting ingredient to ministry, and that ingredient is fear. And I had to learn it the hard way, and I want to address this issue of fear in the ministry my sermon is called Fear or, or Revival, and uh, book of Acts chapter 18. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Let's first look at Paul's ministry. Will you agree with me that Paul was uh, one of the biggest and best preachers that was ever on the planet Earth in Christianity? He's also biggest missionary and uh, best Christian, best pastor, best missionary probably that ever lived. And uh, I can submit to you this morning that he was one of the men, if you look and study his ministry, that he was the most fearful in his ministry, if you look through his life. Right off the beginning of his ministry, as soon as he started preaching, he encountered strong opposition. Jews wanted to kill him. He had to run, and it seemed to be a part of his life ever since. Bible tells us again and again, he in the epistles, almost every epistle, he's addressing the issue of fear in his ministry. He writes to us in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and he says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, for indeed when we came to Macedonia, our bodies were, um, uh, had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, and inside were fears. In the book of Acts chapter 23, the Bible describes to us his situation. He says, but the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified to me in Jerusalem, so you must also be witness and bear witness at Rome. In our own text, Bible, God says He comes to him to comfort him and tells him that he needs to be not afraid. In Acts 27, it's ordeal in the ship that is facing shipwreck. For there stood by me this night an angel, says Paul, of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, said Paul to his congregation um, of bewildered sailors. And um, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told uh, me. 
In 2 Corinthians, he's describing his life, his ministry. He says that he was always in journeys, in perils of water, in dangers of robbers, in dangers of my own countrymen, in dangers of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And he goes on and on. Paul talks in one of the epistles how he has fought with beasts and Ephesus. He writes to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, this is the words that he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we desperate even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and thus delivers us, in whom we trust that He will still deliver us. As I read these and many, many other words um, that he writes um, in epistles, I cannot uh, help but think and believe that he was battling fears in his life. He was battling and struggling with a lot of fears. And can I submit to you this morning, you might say to me this morning uh, that this is the first century Christianity. This is back then. This is 2,000 years ago. Now we live in a civilized, secure, convenient, comfortable society where we are protected from, every, from all sides and we have nothing to fear. Can I submit to you today that there are a lot of dear brothers and sisters in the Lord this very moment undergoing horrendous persecution, suffering a lot of fears, and in a constant, constant demonic assault of fears in their lives. And maybe some of you are sitting here in this place this morning. Our missionaries... I believe I am not in the place, you know, we have such seasoned warriors, missionaries over and over again, pioneering pastors that are going in this nation or other nations that are undergoing supernatural assaults of fear and battling fear in their lives. I'm in contact with a pastor. He's not from our fellowship. He lives in Uzbekistan. His name is Rosmat Vaisov. Uzbekistani government is a Muslim government. It's a Muslim, predominantly Muslim country. Very, very harsh on Christian churches. Freedom of assembly and freedom of expression is completely denied. Bibles are destroyed when they're found out and or, and or confiscated. He spoke, he speaks to me of raids by Uzbek police in which Christians are beaten. His own Christians are poor beaten, fined, threatened and intimidated. This man lives in a constant fear for his life, his family, preaches, still preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ in the face of constant danger. He told me he doesn't even know how many Christians he has that, that are part of his church anymore. In downtown, the city where he's pastoring, he has a building that is sitting there. It's a 400-seater building. They are not able to occupy that building. They're kicked out of that place, and they're not able to gather there for several years. He says, many of my brothers have left, went back to Islam under severe persecution, and many left the country, and he was in jail himself. He says, I asked him, how do you do this? How do you keep your ministry going? This is what he told me. He says, we organize a birthday party, 
so we call it. We bring a lot of uh, food and everything, cakes and etc. We hide our Bibles underneath the table. And in case police comes, we are celebrating someone's birthday. And under this um, uh, uh, cover, we, I give my leaders a Bible study. Uh, those are the leaders that gather every so often. And they go out and they do this, the same thing in, in their own little groups throughout the city. And this is how we keep Christianity going. And this is how we keep our faith going. And he's not going to give up. And he's going to continue going under that kind of a persecution. Here is Paul going, going through many fears. When I can, I can describe, and like I said again, that I am in no position to say that I have experienced, uh, there are some people here in this place, you've experienced much harder fears in your life. You, bought, you fought much harder fears in your own life. But let me describe, since I'm preaching, let me describe some of the things that I went through. When I just became a Christian, I had, I had to battle fears of violence. When I was a disciple, I was severely beaten twice within a period of one month. Needless to say, when I went out to Pioneer at the age of 19, I was fighting fears. My wife is 17, and I'm a, I, I was in no gang before I got saved. I was a university kid, and um, it was, you know, I, 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 I was not a fighter. And when I went out, my wife's 17, I'm 19, we're pastoring this first church, and it was everything that Pastor Greg said not to do. The, the church location, it was the wrong side of town, a neighborhood where they would settle ex-cons that would get out of jail. And um, I don't know how many times I was afraid for my life and for my dear wife uh, while we were pioneering in that city. And I had to battle that. When I was 26, I assumed responsibility for the Russian fellowship. And I can submit to you that all hell broke loose in my life and in my family. Sicknesses, my kids, myself, my wife, sick for many, many uh, years even, but battling different sicknesses. And at church also, we were kicked out of buildings. Uh, there was a constant stream of negative articles. I personally was arrested several times for street preaching and brought into police stations, stayed in their, you know, uh, temporary holding cells and was interrogated by a drunk policeman that told me, you know what we do with guys like you? And he hugged me in, in a deadlock. Until finally I was arrested so many times that I was tired and told my disciples that this was a new ministry qualification. If they wanted to preach the gospel, it's their turn now. One time I had uh, a preacher, a pastor in, my, in, in, in our house. He came for revival and, and a phone uh, ring. I picked up the phone. It was back then in 2000 when we still had landlines. And uh, I picked up the phone. It was a voice that I did not recognize. And he said to me, Sergey, you know, I, uh, uh, I am so-and-so and I'm a representative of KGB. Well, it's a different name, but it's the same thing anyway. And so uh, he told me, he said to me, uh, it's nice to have friends like that in your house. Uh, it was Don Taylor and his wife from Hawaii. And he said, well, it's nice to have people like that in your house over. I, I said, what do you want? He says, I want a meeting with you. And uh, you named the location. I named the location a, a little cafe downtown. I went there and it turned out that the place was uh, uh, closed down. It was open uh, two hours la later. It would open normally. 
And so I was waiting there, waiting for this guy to show up. All of a sudden, I see this man approaching me. And this was in a building, an office building downtown Vologda. And he said, he waved to me, follow him. I followed him into the principal, into the director's office of this entire office building. As soon as he saw this man and me following, this, this director, this manager, he jumped up to his feet, sheepishly, uh, afraid, uh, and ran out of his office. There was another man there, there was uh, uh, three of us, he uh, pointed to a chair of the manager, I sat down, you know, this big uh, plush uh, 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 leather chair, and they told me, they showed the badges, they were both from KGB, they were officers, and they started telling me, uh, first thing they, con com you know, commended on my preaching, they said, last time when you preached, you, you made this point, it was pretty good. <laughs> oh, thanks for telling me. And then they, they, they proceeded to describe every little detail of my personal life, my family, and our church, what's going on in our church, trying to intimidate. Now, remember, I'm 26, and I'm a former Soviet uh, 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 Union child. You know, I raised up, I was raised up in such an atmosphere of constant intimidation and fear. You're nobody, you're nothing, you're just a little uh, a part of a huge me mechanism, and uh, you have no rights. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, my heart's beating, and then they, they're talking, uh, and uh, during the conversation, one of them says, By the way, Dutch conference is coming, Sergey, isn't it? I, I said, yeah, the, I, what's the point hiding? I said, yeah, you know everything. This is, uh, you, you're, you're supposed to go, right? I said, yeah, I'm supposed to go, but I can't. They say, yeah, we know why you can't, because your, your passport is expired, isn't it? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, can you, you want to... You want to go? I said, sure. <laughs> and they said, I said, but the passport, you know, we, we can help you with the passport. I'm like, well, okay, fine. But it takes about a month to make it normal way. So I'm thinking maybe they can do it in a few days or whatever, two weeks or something. And, uh, and then, but I told them I need it yesterday if I want to go. I wasn't planning on going because I knew that happened, expired. So the guy says to me, he says, Sergey. We can do it in one day. And I'm like, and what's the price? Right? And the guy says, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> The guy says, Sergey, you watch too many spy movies. <laughs> and so later on in the conversation, he says, by the way, when you go to Amsterdam, I have a friend, and my alarms immediately went up. I have a friend that has a, he's a businessman. I, I just wanted to, I wonder if you, if you could bring some papers, perhaps, over to him. You know, he's going to meet you right after you clear through customs, and, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's just a few little sheets of paper, some business. And then the people ask me normally when I, when I say that, tell them that story, they tell me, what did you do? I, I, I say I took the papers. That's why we have such a nice house, a nice building and a high church. And a, how it... But listen, knowing that somebody is spying on me and the church doesn't help you as a preacher... When you get up in the next service and you're looking at the congregation, trying to find out which one is it? Who is Judas? 
right? One day I was threatened with a gun. Someone got into my car in the parking lot in front of the church, pointed a gun at me and said, start the car, let's go for a drive. I looked at his face and he, his scarred upper lip was jerking. And the guy uh, finally got scared of approaching brother who became suspicious of the commotion. And the gunman, he jumped out of my car and uh, screamed, we will see you again. And he ran away. And the sermon that I prepared to preach that night was on overcoming fears. We had fire in 2005, a week before conference, where we were planning to uh, send out our first missionary couple into Mongolia. A quarter of our building was burned down, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. Pastor Campbell came to conference to preach. He looked at it, he laughed, he said, that's one way of putting your church on fire. And uh, that, that wasn't helpful at all. I'm, uh, half of my building is gone. You know, you might recognize yourself, you might, you know, it would be interesting in, to, to kind of collect the, all the stories of our fellowship preachers and missionaries that went through that or even worse kind of scenarios. But you might recognize yourself, that that's puts a lot of fear in your heart. Then there are other fears, as you grow up in the Lord, or grow up in the ministry, there are church split fears that change your personality. There are fears of betrayal. Right? When you start to learn a chant, and that chant goes like this, I will never do this again. Right? Then there are all kinds of fears, a, a church planting phobia, or, or missionary planting phobia. Fear of yet another pioneering pastor or missionary couple going sour on you. Fears for the missionary couples that you send out. Personal responsibility for their ordeal. Here's Sergei Pohovsky, my dear friend. We grew up together in the Lord. He was, uh, uh, you know, he, he's just a very same spirit with me. Just a, a powerful, wonderful brother and his wife. And I sent them out to Cuba. And, um, you know, obviously, you, we all know it was their desire. But I backed him up. Uh, and I, uh, you know, we sent him off to this great destiny, believing that it's going to be an absolute wonderful experience. And it was. Until later, and I keep talking to him on the phone, you, you, can, you can actually call the jail where he's in. He has been there for a month and a half. He's sentenced to two years of that. And uh, he, uh, you know, he was always, he's one of the most positive people I've ever talked to, I've ever known. But he's changing. He says, Pastor, I don't like this place. I don't like being away from my wife. I didn't do anything. I don't deserve being here. I don't deserve these jerks to deal with. So his, his bed is right near the, the TV set where they're watching all kinds of movies, instead of, including filthy ones. So he covered himself from the, from the screen, but he can't cover himself from the noises. I mean, they're not beating him up. There are no gangs there. They're all foreigners, stupid foreigners that brought him to Cuba some drugs and they were, you know, sentenced to 20 or some more years of imprisonment for bringing drugs into the country. But it's still, it's not something that you're, you're envisioning for your guy that, that goes out to the best guy that you have, the best preacher that you have in the whole fellowship, Russian fellowship. That's not what you're thinking about. Dealing with a wife, Dealing with the kids, dealing with all the situation in the church, having personal responsibility. 
responsible for their destinies, families, and lives. Going through this, you have to battle this enslaving spirit of fear that wants to creep your life and your destiny. And you know what? The reason why I'm preaching all this is because when I observe men in Russia, men that are preaching the gospel in stagnated churches, or men even by talking all over the place where God has given me an opportunity to preach, I came to this one conclusion, and I believe God gave me this message for this conference, that many of my dear brothers suffer from the same enslaving demonic spirit, even right now while you're sitting in this place. Can I ask you this question? Has fear gripped and enslaved your ministry? See, when we are full of fear, we will not show it, to nobody, because we are portraying a macho um, image of ourselves, and we will hide it well, even from our own selves. We will not admit to ourselves that we have it, but it stops us from attempting great things for God. It will affect our preaching, because preaching is not something that you say, but something who you are. It will affect our, our discipleship, because radical disciples are born and raised when they see their pastor struggle through faith, overcoming and battling through and contending for revival. When they see their pastors taken away in the chariots of fire, that's when they become radical. And that's why your complaint is about uh, why am I, my disciples are not as radical. Because you don't realize that you have been enslaved by this spirit and demonic spirit of fear. And you cannot do things. And it's totally un, un, unknown un, even to you yourself. See, that's, that's why people become... That, that spirit of fear enslaves us. Slaves cannot fathom what freedom is. Slaves don't realize what it is to live in a free society. When, when I come across to the United States, every time I want to say to my wife, or, and I say this to myself, welcome to the free country. And I'm not saying this to uh, pump you up. I, do, I, I believe this with all of my heart. Slaves cannot think in categories free people can. That's why so many nations hate you Americans, because they have slave mentality, and they hate the gods of people that have freed them at the core of their values. You don't understand this many times, but we have to recognize the fear that we have. You will never know this until you, you if, or if, you will never know this, if you never leave the safety of your, of your comfortable ministry into the dark world of lost sinners. You will never know that you have fear. You will think that everything is okay with you because you live in a shared, sheltered society, sheltered life, and you can be anywhere in the world. I'm not preaching to Americans. I'm preaching to myself, Russian pastors, uh, you know, pastors from the Philippines and Africa. You can be on any level of, of, of ministry or life or society and be sheltered and think that everything is okay with you, that everything is fine with you. Well, my job this morning to, 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 to discourage you from that thinking. It can be very well hidden, that fear. Sophisticated, but it's still fear. Enemy of our destiny in God. Fear is demonic. Here is a pastor that stopped witnessing because of fear. Here is a man that stopped believing God for a breakthrough because of fear. 
He doesn't know it's here. He thinks there are other things involved. But at the core of his situation and the problem, in his, inside of his heart, it's, it's a sheer fear that he has. He was burnt down, burnt out. He has experienced situation and events. And he has developed a siege mentality. He crumbled into his little apartment or little church. And that's where he's supposed to be. And that's what he does. And devil is laughing into our face. Perhaps some of you have, are so gripped by fear that you will not go out to pioneer anymore. You will not leave your church to, in the hands of other people to go some, somewhere and take your experience and put it in a different nation or a different uh, city and experience revival. You will not send couples because couples that you have sent failed and you are not to, you, you don't want to go through the same ordeal of people coming back into your church accusing you and bitter and sitting at the right back side of the church and the last row of the church and, and just not involved. You will not go overseas because of fear. See, our fellowship's heritage, uh, can you say amen, is a bold proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our heritage. Our heritage is boldness. We are supposed to be radical fellowship. Can you say amen? And tempting great things for our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when I became a pastor, my textbook was a book called An Open Door. And I want to tell you, when I, was, when I got a hold of this book, I was still, you know, to my mind, a former Soviet Russian mindset, post-Soviet Russia mindset, things that were written in the book were unbelievable, unheard of, and staggering, forbidden even to think. You know how in, in the beginning Larry Reed came to do revival? in Prescott, and young converts were arrested because they were preaching on, a, on the streets. And, and this is what the book says. I have a clip here. Pastor Mitchell was born fighter, and he let the city know in no uncertain terms that they had better back down, surrender, and stop, or lawsuits, marches, and whatever else he could think of would splatter city hall. He told them, why do you think you, who do you think you are? I'll give you one hour to drop the charges. In less than an hour, they were dropped and the prisoners released. I tried that in Russia. It works. I just... Uh, we, we, we are in clash with the city administration. They don't want to give us no permits. We just had a city birthday and they, uh, we, we uh, filed uh, for several um, uh, permissions to preach in the city. They all canceled all those. They gave us a place somewhere outside of the center where nobody is. Thousands of people in downtown. And uh, I said, okay, you, you cancel. And it was like a tenth time already. I said, you don't know what you're going into. So we had 160, 170 Christians gathered together, my church and people that came from neighboring churches. We came at 11 o'clock, exactly when the uh, celebration got started, and I placed 50 men in different locations throughout downtown. Uh, this were, you know, and I, I had them all preaching out loud on top of their voices. They have a wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. They, 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 you, can't, you can't have a gathering together. This is unlawful. But if you stay 
pray by yourself and you preach, you can do it because it's called picketing. So, but you have to be 25 meters away from another person. And so we placed them 25 meters apart from each other. And people were walking by that day through the whole downtown. And as soon as one voice subsided, the other one arose. And they could hear over and over again the same gospel of Jesus Christ. So listen, hey, I, I was preaching away. I, I was preaching away. That, that day was a, I, I had a, it was a blast. I preached for 40 minutes, you know, stopped and preached, stopped and preached, 40 minutes on the, my designated location. And then I saw the man who is in charge of the uh, uh, whole city situation, you know, he's in the mayor's office. And I saw another guy who was a, a representative of police. And I saw another guy with black glasses. Guess who that was? That was a KGB officer. They all came to me and they said, uh, this guy said, Sergei, Take your men and, 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 and march them out of downtown. Please do this. This is, you know, we, we, you, we can't fathom this. We can't. Uh, we are totally overwhelmed by, by you doing this. Please take your, tell, tell your men not to preach. And uh, I said, well, this is, you got what you were asking for. You didn't allow us to, uh, permissions in downtown area to, 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 to represent our church. And this is, we can't stop preaching. And we're going to be more violent. And he told me two things. He said to me, he said to me, well, you are using, a mayor has organized that event, and in his city, he said that in his city, he organized this wonderful event, and you came, crashed into the party, and you were destroying our party. I said, wait a minute, this is my city. I was born and raised here. I have my family in this city. I'm concerned for this city. I don't, this is not your mayor's city. We choose the mayor, which is not really true, but we choose the mayor, and, uh, and we, are, uh, we are going to own this city. He told me, show up on Monday. I will give you any permission you want. Uh, uh, and uh, praise God, I... I tell my man who want to preach the gospel that Bible is your textbook, Holy Ghost is your teacher, streets is your classroom, sinners is your examiners. Listen, do we sound appealing to the generation we serve? We are serving our generation. Who was David who served his generation? He was a man that was so, so heroic, so powerful in his personality that he was drawing heroes to himself. Right? That was the man. That's, that's the man they followed. I want to follow these men. There are men in our churches. There are men, thousands of young men in our fellowship that want to follow these men. There are sinner men out there. This is the generation of riots and radicalism and revolutionary mindset. This is the generation that's looking for leaders, for heroes. And we are to step in and we are to continue our glorious fellowship's history by continuing this path. Let's talk, let's talk about key, keys to boldness. I want to bring you back to our text. Here is Paul. Bible says, God tells him several key things that I want to point out to you. First of all, he says, stop fearing. Do not be afraid. You know what's interesting when you read this text, when you read chapter, uh, the previous one and this, the one where this uh, text is mentioned? You know, it, it doesn't look like he was going through some major crisis. When God tells him that, it's not like he just came out of stoning or, or some kind of persecution. 
If you really listen, uh, closely read the text, you will find out it's just a normal, you know, he was thrown out of synagogue, that's fine, but that's part of, it seems like it's part of uh, Paul's life. So the question is, why would God show up at this certain time of his life where not like major things were happening against him and tell him, do not be afraid? You know why? I believe that when Paul was going through circumstances, the situation in his life, I believe that Paul might have been worn out by constant battles. And even though at that particular moment of his life, nothing major was taking place, but probably inside of his heart, he started to give in. And God came on the scene and said, do not be afraid. Second thing that he tells, me, tells him, he says, keep preaching. You know, keep preaching. Say, do, do not keep silent. Speak. Do not, do not allow this intimidation and fear to grip your life. Continue preaching. We are celebrating this August 20 years of our church in Russia. 20 years of Russian fellowship. And we're still preaching, praise God. Still preaching. And I know this, this, this sounds young to you. But under the circumstances... When I came here, just the day I landed, there was a, a brother that sent me a link to an article in uh, the version of USA Today, but a Russian version of it. It was a, it's a huge article, a research on our church, the Porter's House Church in Vologda, and the name, the title of that article, The Biggest Cult of Russia is Headquartered in Vologda. And that's a national-wide newspaper. And they are celebra- that article said that they are celebrating 20 years. How come, that article says, how come we have allowed this cult to be in Vologda for so, for so long? Well, I have news for them. We're going to keep preaching. You know, one time uh, my, my, my disciples were so discouraged. And because of the constant battles, it was year, years ago. And they said to me, we had a meeting, we had some kind of a breakfast or something. They were like, what do we do? What do we do? You know, what do we do now? And I said to them, there is one advantage that we have. Because we're all younger than people that work in mayor's office. We are going to outlive them. <laughs> so he says to him, don't be afraid, keep preaching. Third thing he says to him, believe the promises of God. He says, for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. You know what? I, through the years of my life, I was clinging to this uh, promise that God gave me one time when I was in the train, leaving, going from Moscow to Vologda. I was praying in that train and I was by myself at night, in the middle of the night, and God told me that I, I, I'm not too afraid. He said, I will protect you. And He has been faithful for 20 years. He has been faithful every single day. And I believe this is a promise for every one of us. Fourth thing, recognize that much more is going for you that you are aware of in your city. God tells Paul, he says, there are many people in this city. He doesn't promise to them that they will be in this church necessarily. And I do believe there are thousands of people in my city that are in favor, they are favorable Towards the church, they just don't come to church for some reason. I haven't figured that out. Recently, I had a phone call. This lady with a very official tone and voice. She said to me that she has strict orders from her director 
her director or a manager uh, happened to be a general manager or CEO of a ball bearing factory in Vologda that has 5,000 people working there. This lady called and said that she had strict orders from the CEO. She said, I am directed to contact you concerning employment of your drug addicts that go through your rehab program. Out of blue. I mean, this man is one of the richest persons in the entire city, and I'm, a, I'm going to go see him personally uh, in the, his office when I come back from the conference. And this is so amazing. I picked up, the, I put the phone down, and I'm thinking to myself, there are many people that are for you in this city, and there are my people. I did a, uh, I, I had a live radio talk show. I had a live uh, radio talk show for a few months, twice a month. And a man called me. He called uh, he, during the uh, radio talk show, and his comments were very favorable. And later on, the hostess, the, the, the interviewer, she told me that a high this guy was a high-profile surgeon, very well known in the town. And he straight out he spoke in that uh, live radio uh, uh, ju- ju- during the broadcasting, and he spoke favorable words towards... I'm, I'm thinking about these things, and I'm thinking there are many, many people in my city and in your city too. There are hidden agents. They might come out and be part of your church. They might never be, but God said to us, there are many people in your city. Paul's trying to exhort young preacher Timothy. He's exhorting him not to fear. And in 2 Timothy 1, he says... For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, not of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. See, he's talking, he says, spirit of fear is not your portion. And he says there are three things. He says spirit of power. He speaks of dominion we are called to establish in our cities. He um, uh, speaks about a spirit of love. And the reason why he says that is because Bible says that real love, perfect love, casts out all fear. And that's the love of Jesus Christ for you and I. You, if, you, if you are sure in the love of Jesus Christ for you, for your ministry, for your family, for your kids, there is no place of fear in, the, in that heart that is filled with that kind of love and thirdly spirit of sound mind and I believe that's because when fear is at work it damages our minds our thinking and patterns are distorted and we're starting seeing everything in the wrong light that's why Paul says you have to switch from spirit of fear to spirit of power of love and of sound mind and do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ Can I ask you this morning, are you enslaved by fear in this place? As a pastor, as a husband, as a church planting pastor, as a man that's contemplating missionary work, your fear is stopping you. I believe when I was in prayer and fasting for this conference, God gave me this. I believe he did, and not only for the Russian fellowship. I can look back and think about my, some of the men that I have sent out. They are bound by fear. That's why their churches are struggling. Because they cannot think as free anymore. They are thinking as slaves. They are not able to think bigger. They are not able to enlarge 
their own understanding because they're bound by slavery. They're slaves. They're not free. Are you battling fear during this conference? Have you given this conference out of furious fearlessness? Or you are holding to your finances? Are you planning some breathtaking outreaches? Some events uh, that would totally transform entire church? Are you, are, you pl- are you planning a church plant, this conference? Think about it. If we would have 50 couples standing on Friday night on, on this platform, that's nothing for God. And there are men that are there right now. Dozens standing on Thursday night. The only concern is that they, we will be praying for them for, for, for hours until midnight. That's the only concern. We'd have to change that somehow. Have a quick prayer. Something. But, but I believe that if fear would be overtaken by spirit of courage and boldness, if we would say to ourselves, I will battle this fear, I will battle fear of my, against money, or against authority, or against sickness, or against my future, I believe we would have dozens and dozens, hundreds of couples that are launched out in the ministry all over our fellowship within this one year. I have a plea for you. Please do not turn this wonderful fellowship into dead denomination. By holding, sitting on your finances, by sitting on your desk, on your church, on your men, on your couples, by sitting in your church. You know, there are some churches in Russia, I go to the city and I look at the city and the harvest is plenty. And the laborer is there. But the laborer has shut the whole city for the fellowship. He's there, he's a dear brother, and I don't, I don't want to come across as accusing of you of no faith, etc. But he's a dear brother that has experienced battles in his life. He's got a church, he's got a job, his wife has a house, they have a child, everything's fine. And that scares me because the city, ripe with harvest, is locked up by this person, by his attitude, by his lack of faith. And he's doing the best he can, he just cannot see. He cannot see, I'm not blaming him, he cannot see. I just had a change of pastors in one of the churches in Russia. And I, three months or four months after the change, I came to do a revival for this man. I have to tell you, I came to a different church. It was a different church and a different city. I have to pinch myself. I'm, am I, is the, are these the same rebels? Are these the same lukewarm, unfaithful, good-for-nothing disciples? Who are these people? And the reason being is because this new guy that came in had had a totally different attitude. He looks for possibilities. This one couple in the church came up to me. I always suspect them of being rebels. But they, they came, they shook my hand and they said, Pastor, thank you so much. We love our previous pastor, but this man, 
he goes into this university, he organizes a talk show against, uh, a talk show against dr drugs and um, uh, about drug addicts and everything, and he just, uh, he just didn't have time to ask us, and we didn't have time to tell him that this, we've been to this university before for many times, and they always told us no, and we just didn't tell him, we didn't have time to tell him, and he... Here he is, he is organizing that talk show, and he's doing this in a place where we thought we would never be able to come in. And the reason is, is because this new man comes in full of power, full of faith, has no fear. Fear, fear has not gripped his life, and that's the whole reason. If we allow fear to stop us, then we will turn into a denomination of people that are proud of their church buildings, bank accounts, websites, whatever Pastor uh, Campbell was mentioning in his sermon. Very powerful sermon, isn't it? Where are you men? And uh, uh, this is becoming... Well, I, how is the church? How, how is everything in your city? Well, we have a wonderful church building. Oh, you know what, Sergey? We have such a wonderful blessing. We have a bank account. For 20 years, I've been emptying my bank account. I'm, I'm not doing this right. I, I'm sorry. I'm not doing this. This is not right. This is too radical. This is out of balance. But we always, to the max, just, just pouring the money. There was a lady that came to our church recently. She came from another church. You know, not all of them are devils, right? They come from other churches. I said, why are you coming to our church? She said, Pastor, I was at the annual finance uh, report of our church me you know, meeting, business meeting in our church. The pastor was bragging about so much money that are left in the bank account that they have finally built a garage for his car and they are finally uh, uh, fixed up the building and etc. And, um, I ha and, and I was so disgusted. I said, this is where my money are going. And I know of the Potter's house across the street uh, or across the town where they're pouring money into world evangelism, pouring money into church planting. And she came to my church and she said to me, if you don't allow me to come to your church, can I please come once a month to give you my tithe? There was, was a crazy philosopher. His name was Diogenes. He became notorious for his philosophical, philosophical stunts such as carrying a lamp in the daytime, claiming to be looking for a man. He used to stroll about in the full daylight with a lamp. When asked what he was doing, he would answer, I'm just looking for an honest man. Diogenes looked for a human being, but reputedly found nothing but rascals and scoundrels. Can I submit to you that he wasn't too far off? Because I believe that our Lord Jesus Christ is walking around this tent with the lamp of His Word right now. In the daylight. He's walking around. He's walking in the aisles. He's searching hearts. It's Thursday. You're not too late. And He's walking around this tent with His lamp on in the daylight. And when you ask Him what He's doing, He says, I'm looking for a man. Your own poet of centuries ago by the name of Hamlin Garland had a little poem that called, was called, Do You Fear the Wind? That's the words of his poem. Oh, you fear the force of the wind, the slash of the rain? Go face them and fight them, be savage again.
Go hungry and cold like the wolf. Go wait like the crane. The palms of your hands will thicken. The skin of your cheek will tan. You'll grow ragged and weary and swarthy. But you'll walk like a man. That's all I had to say. And let's call Pastor to finish this. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Thank you.